Today we're kicking off a new series called Trapped. Trapped. And we're going to talk about the next few weeks, things that trap you and I. And we have to break free to experience God's best blessings in our life. And I want to begin reading in Luke chapter 12. If you have a Bible, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 12 for... Uh, the duration of our time in Luke 12, verse 15 through 21, unpacking this story. Jesus said, then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, watch out. Do you know why he says that? Watch out, be on guard. You know, he says it because nobody sees greed in themselves. Nobody wakes up in the morning, gets out of bed, goes in the mirror, starts brushing their teeth and say, I'm a greedy person. Nobody does that. No, nobody sees greed in themselves. Listen, if you talk to people after the service today, you start talking to people as you leave out of here today and go about your life. If you talk to people, nobody will admit I'm a greedy person because for most people, it's like this video. They're going through life. You saw the cheerleader. You saw the person driving the car. People go through life and they don't even realize that they're chained and they're trapped. And there are a lot of people, a lot of people who struggle with the issue of greed. But not only struggle, there are a great deal of people that are literally trapped in greed. You see, there's a disease running rampant through our world, and this disease is not appendicitis or bronchitis or bursitis or hepatitis or tendonitis. It is called stuffitis. It's a disease. You say, Pastor, that's not a word. It is, it's a word today. Praise the Lord. I am Dr. Cooper, and I am diagnosing people today. The problem with a lot of people is they have this disease running through their veins, in their heart, and it's called stuffitis. And every decision they make is all about stuff, and stuff is controlling their life. You see, here's the deal about greed. Greed is not about having stuff. You can have stuff. Some of you got a little stuff, some of you got a, a, a lot of stuff, some of you got a whole lot of stuff. The issue is not about having stuff. The problem with greed is when stuff has you. And there are a lot of people that have stuff-itis because stuff has them. Stuff is dominating their life. It's controlling their life. They are trapped in greed. So Jesus says, watch out, because nobody sees greed in, greed in themselves. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed because greed shows up in various shapes, in various forms. And if you're not careful because nobody sees greed as they look in the mirror, it will trap you and lead you down a road of trouble, of despair, of heartache. And what Jesus goes on to do is he shares a story with us and gives us some signs of a greedy heart because nobody sees greed in themselves. So Jesus says, watch out, be careful. But not only that, let me show you some signs of a greedy heart. And the first sign that Jesus points out to you and I is when we're not content with what we have. Notice this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 16 in this story. And, 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 the, and, and, the, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. In other words, he says, I have more than enough. 
But, but since life is all about the abundance of possessions, since my identity and my self-worth worth is wrapped up in what I have, since I have this disease called stuffitis, I need to have a little bit more to be happy. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And how many of us can relate to this man? Many of us find ourselves tearing down barns and building bigger ones. Oh, not a, a barn specifically, but things that are kind of like a barn. We find ourselves tearing them down and building bigger ones. Like perhaps you have 10 pairs of jeans in your closet, but you go to the store and you have to have an 11th pair. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You're tearing down barns and building bigger ones. You've got a closet with 22 pairs of shoes, but you can't be content unless you get 23. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Tearing down barns and building bigger ones. How many of you would be honest? Come on. How many be honest with me? And you're like your pastor. You have clothes or shoes in your closet that you haven't worn in the last year. Come on, lift your hand up. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. But we got to have another piece of clothing. Come on. We tear down barns and build up bigger ones. There are many people who have a coffee pot at home and they have their favorite coffee like Folgers coffee. And yet we don't use the coffee pot at home. We go right past the coffee pot in the morning, get in the car and go by Starbucks or 7-Eleven. We go by Starbucks and we get a fresh Rapper, chapa, lapper, pumpkin spicer, rapper, grande it up, and we come on, we pay five dollars and we got a coffee pot at home. All I'm saying is we tear down barns and we build bigger ones. There, 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 there are some of us, you know, we got a, a, a cell phone. How many back in the day? Now we got to have an iPhone or a Blackberry. And we, got, we used to have a cell phone, there was a day we didn't have no phone. Do you know what I'm saying? But now we went from no phone to a cell phone to I got to have an iPhone, an iPhone 3, an iPhone 4. It's not fast enough, an i4s. Now they got the new iPhone 5. How many of you wait? I don't even want to see your hands. You waited in line all night long because you had to have an iPhone 5 because we tear down barns and we build bigger ones. We have a computer. It used to be a desktop. Now we got to have a laptop. Now we got a laptop, but that's not good enough. We need a laptop and we need to have a Kindle Fire and an iPad, all three at the same time. We just tear down bars and build bigger ones. We got a car, but this car is not good enough. It runs, but no, there's a new version of this car. So we trade in this car and we get a new shinier car. And no, 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 no. We keep the car actually. And now we got two cars, one on Monday and one for Tuesday. We tear down barns and we build bigger ones. We were all born with nails, but having nails is not good enough. So we pay and get bigger nails. We tear down barns and build bigger ones. We all got hair, but having hair is not good enough. So we pay and get some more. We tear. All I'm saying is I see us in this story. We tear down barns and build bigger ones. And this man wasn't content with what he had. He thought, if I can get a little bit more, I'll be content. If I had a few more crops and and a bigger barn, I'm telling you, if I had a little bit more, I'd be 
content. And so many Christ followers are just like this man because they struggle with being content. And it leads them down a road of trouble. The Bible says it like this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing and a pumpkin spice latte. Okay, some of you are not, you don't read the Bible ever. And so it does not say pumpkin spice latte in the Bible. You're like, I like the Bible. It does it not say pumpkin spice latte. I threw that in there. The scripture says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich, or in other words, their heart is full of greed. They have stuffitis. They think I need a little bit more to be happy. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Did you catch that? Fall into a trap. It's a, it's a trap. And, but nobody sees greed in the mirror. Nobody sees greed. Nobody. Some people, they go through life like the video we showed you, the promo video. They go through life. They go through school. They work. And they don't even realize they're trapped. Fall into, into, into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. That plunge men into ruin and destruction because when you are in the trap and greed and self-itis, you find yourself making foolish and harmful decisions that will ruin you, that will have you in destruction. I mean, we see it all the time. You hit stuff-itis, the next thing you know, you start overspending. And did you know that the vast majority of people spend more a month than they actually earn? And we justify it. We think it's normal. But it's stuff itis. It's those foolish and harmful desires that will plunge us into destruction. We get ourselves in all type of consumer debt. And I'm glad I'm talking about this right before the Christmas season. Because some of you had intentions to go out and get Mr. or Mrs. Plastic out. And to charge and to charge and to charge. And you have no idea how you're going to pay for it except with the minimum payment. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, see, nobody sees greed in themselves. Nobody does. We don't look in the mirror and say, I'm greedy. No, 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 no. But, but, but we get these foolish and harmful desires that lead us to ruin and destruction. And then, then there's the whole comparison thing. Well, look what they've got. If they got that, I need to get that. And we start comparing because that's what happens when our hearts get gets full of greed. And it's so easy for all of us. And we start comparing. And then, and then there's not even the, just the comparison game. But then there's the co competition game. You're not going to outdo me. You just got that. I'm getting this. You got that. I'm getting a bigger of that. And we play the competition again. That's what happens when, when stuff itis, this disease, starts running through our veins and in our heart. And verse 10 goes on to say, for the love of money. The problem is not having money. The problem is not having stuff. It's when stuff has you and you love it. It's stuff itis. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager from, for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Friends, can I tell you, people have literally 
quit seeking God because of stuffitis. Because they think all I need is a little bit more to be happy. There's a second thing that I want you to see. I want you to see this, this second sign of greed that Jesus gives us. And number two is this. When we believe we are owners instead of stewards. I want you to check this out in Luke chapter 12 and verse 18. Then this man said, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. Everybody shout my I want you to see this is so important. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. This man really believes that all that he has is his. He really believes that he is an owner. He, he, this man does not understand that, listen, you're not an owner. You are a steward. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and every good and perfect gift comes from above and every blessing that we have, the Lord has given it to you and I and we're not an owner of it, we're a steward of it. But when greed fills our heart, you know what we start thinking? We start thinking we own this stuff. This is our stuff and we think we own it. And I want to just give you a couple of insights, real quick, a couple of insights then to, to see if you believe that you're an owner or if you're a steward. The, the first insight that, that, that I see as I, I study the word and, and look at this portion of scripture is this. When you don't consult God and his word about financial decisions. It's an insight I see in this text. When you don't consult God or his word about financial decisions, you think you're an owner instead of a steward. And, and the Bible says in Luke 12 and verse 18, this, this man said this. This is what I'll do. This is what I'm going to do. The Bible doesn't, he didn't pray about it. He didn't talk to the Lord. He didn't go look at the Torah. They had the Torah back then, the first uh, several books of the Bible. He he didn't go look at the Torah to see what does God's word say about this? Because he really believed, I own this. I'm not consulting God. I'm going to talk to me. And it's very dangerous when you and I think we're an owner. And we don't consult God or his word about financial decisions. And we start doing like the writer of Proverbs. We start leaning on our own understanding. And it will lead us down a road of destruction. There's a second thing I want you to see, a second insight I see in this portion of scripture about if you are an owner or a steward. And number two is this, when you spend finances however you want. Whenever you spend finances however you want, you think you're an owner instead of me realizing you're a steward. And the Bible says this about this man. He says, I'm going to tear down my barns. And that's what he did. He tore down his barns. He did what he wanted. He built bigger barns so he could make sure he could store away this crop for himself. And, and you know what he thinks? I'm going to do what I want to do. With, it's my money. I will do what I want to do with my money. And he doesn't understand. Listen, listen. You don't own this. You're a steward. You can't do whatever you want to do because you don't own this. It would be like for those of you who invest for your future for retirement. And maybe you have your money in a 401k or you've got money going away. And a lot of people, your money is, is being, 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 being helped allocated. And uh, there's a financial advisor helping you to plan where those dollars are going to be invested. And can you imagine setting up an appointment with your financial advisor at the end of this year and saying, hey, I just want to see how the investments are doing and 
And your financial advisor says, yeah, you know, that 200 a month you're putting away for retirement. You know, my, my family needed a new car. And so uh, I took that money, and this year I've been helping to make my car payment for my new car. Uh, but now next year in 2013, we're going uh, uh, to invest in an aggressive portfolio. We believe it's going to bring you back a great return, and we'll make up all the money I spent on the car in 2012. How many of you think you just might get in the flesh? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Because you can't, you don't own this money. You're a financial advisor. You do what I tell you to do. I didn't tell you to do that. You can't do what you want to do because you don't own this. First of all, it's illegal. And second of all, that's not your place. You steward this. You don't own this And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. He's blessed us. He's given us resources to steward. But we start thinking we own it. And we'll do whatever we want to do because we start thinking it's our stuff. And it's a clear sign of greed, of stuff-itis in our hearts. When we start thinking we're an owner instead of a steward. There's a, a third thing that I want you to see, a third sign of greed that Jesus talks to us about. Nobody sees greed in the mirror. And yet many are trapped in greed. And the third sign is when we only spend what we have on ourselves. Check this out in Luke chapter 12 and verse 19. The man says this, and I'll say to myself, anybody ever talk to yourself? You know what I'm saying? This is what he's doing. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things. You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. In other words, self, you take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And friends, this man didn't think about anybody else except himself. He didn't have any intentions of sharing what he had with others. And friends, we, we know our hearts are full of greed when we spend what we have only on ourselves. Stuff itis. And it's very important. It's very important that we don't confuse feeling generous with being generous. A lot of people think they're generous because they feel generous. You see, they have compassion for people, but feeling and being are two different things. A true story last night. This is a true story. Last night, I'm sitting in my chair yesterday evening, going over today's message, just kind of fine-tuning it uh, for today. And so I was sitting in my chair studying, and Tiffany and I were in the living room, TV's on, and, and Cade and Kel come into the living room, and Cade is carrying his, he has a bucket full of candy. And he sits it on the couch, and he's walking over towards me, and he's eating. I noticed, I said, Kel, I said, Cade, is that a snicker? I don't know. Yeah, snicker. Snicker's good. I said, yeah. I said, Cade, can Daddy have a snicker? I mean, he has a, a tub full of candy. And they're just little bitty, like little bite size, you know, those little mini candy bars. So I went to ask him for a whole candy bar. I said, Kate, can I have a, one of those little mini Snickers? He goes, no. <laughs> and so I, I asked him again, you know, we're kind of kidding around. I'm like, come on, Kate, man, you got a whole thing of candy. Can I have just have, did he have just one little mini Snicker? He goes, No. I'm getting a little frustrated now, you know what I mean? So I'm smiling. I got my computer in my lap. I said, hey, Kate, come on, man. Let daddy just have one little, one of those little Snickers. He goes, no. And he's smiling at me, you know. 
And so I'm a little frustrated, so I tell Kel, his older brother, I say, Kel, go over in Cade's candy bucket and get me one of those little Snickers. And Kel goes over, grabs a Snicker, and literally a fight almost broke out in the living room. <laughs> Kel is coming over to bring me the Snicker, and Cade's trying to stop Kel. He's grabbing his arm. He's trying to stop him. And so I grab Cade. I push him back with the left hand, and I'm reaching. He's jump, literally, he's jumping over. I'm like, get off, man. Get I'm going to, so I'm fighting him off. I reach over and I grab the little snicker with this hand. I got it. <laughs> I didn't eat it though. I didn't eat it because I want him to tell me I can eat it. Because I know what I'm preaching on today. I'm like, I'm preaching on greed and I will not have greed in this house. Come, the devil is a liar. <laughs> Boy, tell me I can eat this snicker. <laughs> so I ask him again. Kate, can daddy have this snicker? And I'm holding it. He goes, no. <laughs> I, I'm, you, know, you know what I'm thinking to myself? Boy, if it wasn't for your mama and I, you wouldn't have no bucket full of candy. If it wasn't for your mama and I saying yes, you wouldn't be eating candy right now. And if, listen, I'm thinking to myself, boy, do you know I have the power to take all your candy and you'll eat carrots all week long. Do you know who I am? So I ask again, Kate, can I, can I ha- eat this snicker? He's, no. And so I do a little psychology on him, trying to convince him why he needs to give me the snicker. And finally, he didn't tell me no, but he didn't tell me yes. It was kind of indifferent. So, Kate, can I have the snicker? Um, I just opened it and started eating it. Amen. <laughs> Got to help that boy to quit being greedy. <laughs> can I tell you, that's a lot of us. We're a lot like my seven-year-old. We got candy, and nobody else can have any, but we feel generous. Because, you know, my little boy, he hugs me. Every morning when he comes down, he, he comes hugs on me every morning. We hug. We're an affectionate family. I love you. I love you, Cade. Daddy, you're the best daddy in the world, but you can't have no slicker. <laughs> but, Daddy, I love you. I feel generous. I love you. But you're not generous. And all of us that way, we feel generous. Oh, yeah, I'm praying for you. God bless you. You can handle my candy. And it's a sign that greed, this disease called stuff-itis, has invaded our hearts when we spend what we have only on ourselves. There's a fourth thing that I want you to see, a fourth sign of greed that Jesus points out to you and I, and that is this, when we are not generous towards God. Listen to what Jesus says as he wraps up this story in Luke 12 and verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You're only thinking about yourself. Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God, is not generous toward God. And friends, it's very important for us to understand that generosity towards God has nothing to do with how little or how much you have or earn. Matter of fact, Jesus gives us a story to illustrate how generosity has nothing to do with how little or how much you have or earn. And he says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 41 through 44, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were and put 
were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. I want us to notice two things from this story. The first is there, there are some people who say they can't be generous towards God because they don't have a lot. And I want you to understand that generosity has nothing to do with what you don't have. It has everything to do with what you do have. And generosity has nothing to do with how big. It has everything to do with the purport, in proportion of what you do have. And this lady gave generously. She, she had less than a penny with these two coins, but she gave what she had. She was generous. Generosity, listen, it doesn't matter what you have. It matters with what you do with what you have. And are you generous with what you have? And then there's a second thing I see in this story. And there are some who say they can't be generous towards God because they earn too much. And, and the Bible says that as they were putting money into the treasury, temple treasury, that there were some rich folks coming by and they gave a generous gift, the Bible says. But Jesus said they weren't generous at all. He said, yeah, I mean, yeah, you gave 10,000, but you make a million. <laughs> he said, but how can you, can you write no $100,000 check? Are you crazy, Jesus? You know, it's too hard. I've heard people say this. It's too hard to write that kind of, give that kind of money away. That's too hard. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what's hard. What's hard is to be a single mom of three kids on minimum wage. That's a whole lot harder situation to be generous in than to have a million dollars and to feel like you're generous because you gave away 10. And can I tell you, can I tell you, can I tell you what that's called? Let me tell you, we don't want to call it this, but that's called greed. That's called greed. I cannot be generous. I cannot give that much. You mean give that much? Yeah, because in percentage of what you're giving, it's not even close to the percentage in what she's giving. You're not, you feel generous, but you're not generous. And this leads me to the second thing, the third thing I want you to see, and that is this. Here's what I've learned in my own life and from the scriptures. The number one way you break free from the trap of greed is by being a percentage giver, a percentage giver. I call it having a generosity plan. Let me be honest with you today. Maybe you're more holy than me. Maybe you love God more than me, but I'm just telling you, if I don't have a generosity plan and I'm not a percentage giver, I will spend what I have on me and my family. The only way I know to break that is you have to have a generosity plan. Otherwise, you give away $5 or $10 or $100, and you think you're generous, but you look at what you give away to what you keep. You're giving away 1%, less than 1%, 2%. You're not generous. You just feel. And I'm the same way. You know what I mean? My heart is wicked. It's deceitful. And you know what? If I don't learn to be a percentage giver, I'll be greedy and I'll find myself just like this man. Herbert, you're thinking about yourself, but you're not generous towards the Lord. And the Bible talks about being a percentage giver. Like in scriptures like Malachi chapter 3, where the Bible talks about return the tithe to the storehouse, the church where you worship. The tithe is 10% of our income. That's being a percentage. That's forcing yourself to break out of being greedy and being generous. And so I've been a, I've been a tither. 
And you got to be a tithe. You got to break greed by being a, a you got to give a, be a percentage giver. You know what I hear people say? I've heard this before. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in tithing. We're not under law. We're under grace. And I could, I could, I, look, I could preach circles around that right now, but I'm not going to do that. But you know, the thing that, that really intrigues me, this is just my experience. Everybody who's ever told me that, they never give more than 10%. The people who tell me they don't believe in tithing, it's because they give 1% or 2% or no percent. And you know what? My flesh likes that. Oh, really? I don't believe in it either then. Amen. Let me keep it all for myself. But you know what that's called? That's called greed. But you know what? Nobody sees greed in the mirror. We justify. Well, I'm not greedy. You have to understand. You see my situation. Well, you don't understand. You don't know what's going on. No, that's called being, that's called being greedy. Because when you're a percentage giver, it evens the playing field. No matter how much you make or how little you make, when we all give 10%, it breaks greed in our hearts. And then the Bible talks about in Malachi chapter 3, it talks about offerings. That, that, that we even learn to be a percentage giver when it comes to giving over and above the tithe offerings, a percentage giver. It breaks greed out of your life. And you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? When people become percentage givers, I've never met a greedy giver. They go contrary to one another. I want you to quickly see a story. It's really powerful of a man in our church who recently became a percentage giver. And you know what I love about this church? Is in this church we have people who've just crossed the line of faith, who have not given their life to Jesus Christ. Some just gave their life to God a week ago, two months ago. And I love hearing their stories as they trust God and even break greed out of their life. And I want you to hear Matt's story. Check out this video. One of my big issues was the reality of God. I liked the idea of God, liked the idea of church. I just didn't know how real he would be in my life. I hadn't had an experience of a real dose of God in my life. I would go to church on Sundays and I could feel a tugging. During worship, I could feel, you know, God pulling at my heart. I could feel during the sermons. Uh, but I, I wasn't ready to commit. Praise and worship, I could begin to feel, I mean, and I didn't know if I was just wow, are these really emotional songs or what is going on with me here? But, you know, why, why do I feel like I feel right now during worship? But then Sunday was over and I would go back and I didn't change my life. I lived my life exactly how I always did. My big hang-up came down to the issue of tithing, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't want to do it. I didn't see an area in my finances to do it. And... I didn't know where I was going to come up with that money. I had heard Pastor Cooper preach about the money back guarantee. I was like, man, that's crazy. They're going to, they, uh, they're going to lose money on that deal. They're going to end up giving it all back because there's no way that, that people are going to be able to see that sort of blessing. I just didn't really have faith or believe it. But um, as I got to the point where I was ready to recommit my life to God, I knew the primary issue for me was going to be tithe. I've got to get over that hurdle, and I've got to put faith in it, and I've just got to step out and do it. So we decided to write the check that Sunday and just see what happens. And on Thursday, uh, we went to, to work, and um, my wife was informed she was getting an $800 a month raise. So in five days, our life financially had changed and it was 
the most amazing demonstration of God working in my life that I had ever seen. Um, obviously, the financial blessings were tremendous. It was great. Um, certainly reinforced tithing in me. I mean, I could not believe the blessings that we got in one week after one time. Um, but we've been blessed in so many other areas, just friendships and relationships and getting involved in the church now. That, but I think the greater impact on me and on my life was that it confirmed that God is real and he's active in our lives. He participates in our lives and he'll reward us for stepping out to that commitment and taking that step of faith and, and doing what he asks us to do. I love stories like that, man, of God's working in people's lives. And, and Matt has tried God and tested God. And, and in no way has Matt insinuated that, hey, you start tithing in five days, this thing's going to happen in your life. May I tell you this, God's always faithful. You can't outgive God. And you know what? It really does something in your heart. It really does break greed in your heart. It really does do something spiritually in your life when you trust God and you become a percentage giver. And listen, I, I, because of our church and the makeup of our church, and we don't just have a church full of Christians. We've got people that have just crossed the line, people check, kicking the tires with their faith. Some of you will give your heart to, to the Lord today. Here, we, we have at this church called a, a, a three-month tithe challenge. And basically what it is is you try for 90 days. You fill this card out. The ushers will be at the doors following the experience. Fill this card out, drop it in the bucket. And you start giving in a trackable way where we can track it. At the end of 90 days, you don't say, Pastor, God's blessed me. I've got peace in my life. I'm closer to God. There's something that broke in my life. I broke free from this trap that gripped my life. Just call the office. No hassle. No, we're not going to argue. Not, we will refund your dollars. Because I so believe in what the scripture says. In tithing and being a percentage giver. There are some of you that are like Tiffany and I. I've been a tither since I was 17 years old, I've been tithing. So I've been, I've, I've been a percentage giver for since 17. And Tiffany and I, several years ago, we started giving over and above the tithe offerings. And the Bible says, you've robbed me in tithe and offerings. I believe in offering and hear from God. And maybe many of you will join Tiffany and I in giving above the tithe and be a dream builder at People's Church. My wife and I, we give between 20 to 30% of our money away in the last three or four years or so. We, I just believe in it. Because you know what? I'm, listen, I'm greedy. And I break it in my life. I know me. I know my heart. And I'm like, it will not get a hold of my life. And so I give. I budget it out. I'm going to give and honor. I'm going to be rich towards God. And so I'm going to ask you. My wife and I were committed to give above the tithe another 10% to the dream. And the dream's all about we're going to launch new campuses. We're going to reach more people. We're able to do more missions, outreach, and work in our community and around the world. And so you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm challenged by this. I don't want to be greedy. I want to learn to give percentage even above the tithe. I want to encourage you to do that, and you can drop it in the offering bucket at the doors following the experience. And here's what I want. I do not want to pastor a greedy church. If you think, oh, this church is all about the money, this church is about the money, go to another church and do what I'm telling you to do. Break this trap of greed off your life and honor God and watch God bless you and help you and watch you get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ.